This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, John Crane. And you know what? Last night, folks, was a fun night. Too bad we were recording now before the end of the second game. But the Angels have clinched the season series from the crosstown rival Los Angeles Dodgers. John, how you doing, man? This is huge in this town. I'm sitting here right now. On one hand, I have a broom. And in the other hand, I have a dustpan. And I'm ready. I'm ready for the season sweep. If this is our, you know, I mean, this is huge for if you're in L.A. Because we are in Dodger Central. And like you said, part of the reason that we started this podcast is the media out here. Uh, we have very little media coverage for the Angels. We have one one angel radio show roger lodge in the afternoon otherwise it's espn and you know i want to turn on the game this way you know what the nice part is is when we play the dodgers i can turn on the radio and hear about the game because they're talking about the dodgers and how they lost so it's kind of i get at least some media on this uh on last night's game which was long but worth it the weird thing is given how much we see the fans kind of poke at each other between the Angels and Dodgers, and we do see it. I know that when we had Jeff Snyder on from um, from Locked On Dodgers, he didn't really see his rivalry in. I get that, but there still is some poking the bear there between the two sides. And the stuff I saw on Facebook and some of my friends who are Dodgers fans, they really kind of just said, you know, Trout, <laughs> Trout, you know, congratulations to the Angels for having a guy like him. And for being able to pull out that win. So, believe it or not, I saw a lot of good-spirited conversation about last night's game. And I think the reason why is because it was a heck of a game. It was a game that any baseball fan can respect. The way these two teams went at it. The way it ended. It was just a good game of baseball. And I think the true fans of the game appreciate it even when there's a rivalry at stake. Yeah, after 1 o'clock, your time. 11, 12, hold on, 2. Uh, two o'clock your time it ended yeah i was in bed yeah i i I don't blame you for that and i mean just i mean calhoun you know trout it was talking about trout's throw and i mean trout's throw was amazing but calhoun you know and and everybody's a lot of people you know and i'm kind of one of those people that been doing the hey let's trade calhoun what can we get for calhoun let's get this 235 237 batting average out of here and uh you know, I think he uh, – I just like – the look on his face, he has such a – he almost has like a chip on his shoulder, like a, a, a grimace when he does something like that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worth it. Like he's proving, you know, okay, I know I hit 237, but I'm a, I'm a defensive dynamo. And he is. He truly is. And um, so I, I, I was happy for him last night because he really had that look on his face as he was just – fist bumping and and you know high five and his teammates after that throw that ended the game 
and broke Dodgers' hearts, uh, <laughs> Dodger fans' hearts. I'm sure you saw the three kids standing on the. Oh yeah, I mean, I got <laughs> I got to finish the game this morning, and yeah, it was yeah, nice to. To me, it was. I wish I could have seen it live because it was just an amazing game. It was all over the, the national news. It's on the news out here. The game that wasn't oh. LA last night, and I wish I could have watched the whole thing. The one thing I will say about these two teams, I think it's pretty clear that when they play, it doesn't matter what their records are at this point. They're going to play close baseball. It's not going to be a blowout, and that's been that. It's been that way for what the last fifteen, sixteen meetings now, something like that. Yeah. It's always it. I was surprised to hear on the radio on the way home. We actually, Angels actually hold the season uh, series. I mean, the the lead, the all time, the history of this rivalry. We actually hold the lead right now, um, and this will be the first time, God willing, we sweep with that. We have actually swept the series. With Don't them. man, come on. The game is still underway. It's only the middle I said of the second God now. Willing. I said, I don't, said this would don't be God willing. Knock on wood. I'm going to leave this in the show. I'm not cutting it out. So when <laughs> if they lose this game, people are going to be going after you on social media, folks. Go go to him as at Jags Crane John on Twitter. Go right to him, not to me. I didn't say it. He did. I think I already right put that you. out there on Twitter. I think I already put that on Twitter. I haven't even gone to see the responses to it, but oh, I already put goodness. that out there on Twitter. But Baseball. I'm just telling you, Derek, you, I know, you know, I know we talked to, uh, uh, last night to the, um, I'm sorry. I forgot his name. The Dodger Jeff podcast Snyder. guy. He was awesome. He was incredible. I, I, I really enjoyed talking to that man. And, um, you know, you just don't know till you live out here. Dodger fans are just, I mean, again, Arrogant, but confident, and just bra- uh, is braggocious a word, Mister History Professor? Um, uh, uh, something like that. They just are so cocky, and you know, I mean, you, you'd have no idea that they haven't won a World Series in over thirty years. And and you see, it, if you go on the Angel pages, you see a lot of people talking about you know how Dodger fans treat us uh, when we go to Dodger Stadium. I'm not talking about violence or threats. I'm just talking about their attitude that they, you know, so they're right. They say, oh, angel fan. They're right away. They're chirping at you, chirping at you, chirping at you. So wins like this, uh, even if, you know, we don't win tonight, we won the series and, um, it's, it's, it's very satisfying as an angel fan who lives in Southern California and is surrounded by Dodger fans at work and in my family and everywhere else to, do this well it's nice to even have uh, geez what's i'm trying to think of a good word for it it's nice to have that kind of local rivalry many teams across the league don't have that but the fortunate thing of being in a metropolitan area like los angeles and orange county you have it so enjoy it treasure it only chicago and new york have it in the rest of the entire league and you know it's it's a special privilege to me, in my opinion. It's a special privilege to have that kind of a local thing. You know, go back to the 1950s and early 60s before everybody starts moving. You had the Dodgers out there with the New York Giants and the Yankees. You had the three-way kind of rivalry out there. And that was all broken up. You had the Chicago rivalry, but both teams were horrible throughout much of the century. So, you know, take advantage of these rare opportunities. Historically, going back to the old New York series those are fun fun things it'll be nice to have a kind of repeat of that in the future between the dodgers and angels we know the dodgers are gonna be good the dodgers have a well-run organization i hate to say it they have a well-run organization they will always spend money and they have an iconic ballpark that draws people in regardless of how bad the traffic is the angels i think have a fan-friendly team in terms of organization but they have their work cut out for them some they're going to have to really work their magic and be heavily intentional and proactive in order to maintain any kind of rivalry with the Dodgers long-term and be successful because people don't believe this. We talked, remember remember the Jason Reed conversation, the way he acted when we had the conversation. He acted like the Angels have bombless pockets and they're behaving like a small market team. Mm -hmm. Well, no, they don't have bombless pockets. They don't, but they don't have the pockets the Dodgers have. They just don't. They have deep pockets. They'll spend money, but they don't have the Dodgers have. Well, let's be clear too that the, the Dodgers are are definitely on a different 
different uh, stratosphere right now than the Angels are. And the Dodgers' goal right now this year is to win the World Series. That's our our goal is to get a wild card spot at this point. And that and, and it's I think it's become a realistic goal for me just in the last week that I've actually started. Uh, and I think we're going to talk about that, the, the trade deadline coming up. Um, so, I mean, we are on different levels. So even victories like this, you know, I think they mean more to Angel fans than than they do to Dodger fans. I think it's an annoyance. It's a fly in, in uh, you know, fly in the ointment, and uh, and the Dodger, but the Dodgers do want to get the best record in baseball. So we are kind of, you know, th- there's a little victory for us in that by defeating them. But I mean, I'm not saying that you know this is this is our win. This is our win. You know, uh, winning the series. This is big to us. Maybe not so much to the Dodgers in the long-term plan. And I hope that we are on a trajectory that we can be competing them on a more significant level as, a, as opposed to just winning a season series, actually perhaps facing in another series in hopefully the not-too-distant future. Here's the thing, and this is why the second part of the conversation we're about to have here after we talk about a couple things, this is why it's going to be so important. The Angels have something growing. The organization has something growing. And many fans right now want the Angels to deviate off that plan and go big. It's really important that fans stay patient and that they wait this thing through and keep supporting this team and go in the games. They're a fun team to watch. We're about to talk about that as well. Trust this front office. I don't mean blind trust. I don't mean that. But trust them because there is a plan and we're seeing a fruition of. We are starting to see these players get to the majors and contribute. And these are Epler guys. Just so tra- let's stay with trade, trade Joe Odell. That's the message you're no, trying to no, convey what I'm right saying, now, right? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is is we've seen fans throughout the year, and it's calmed down ever since you know what happened. But we've seen fans coming down hard on Billy Epler and, and saying you need to fire him or saying, hey, Go tear this roster apart, or go make you know, make all these huge trades and rebuild, 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 rebuild. or or now we're as we're getting close to trade deadline, buy, 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 go go big. I'm saying, as cliche as it is, trust this process. If you want to compete long term, if you want to be like the Dodgers are, where every year they're a threat, where they'll trade players and they'll reload from the farm system. If that's what you want to be, you need to let them finish the job of rebuilding the farm system and following these guys up. This is a long-term process. It's not a short-term process. It's not a one- or two-year fix. This is a five-, six-, and sometimes seven-year fix, depending on how depleted your farm system is. So people need to lay off Billy Epler because he's doing a good job. We're seeing some of his prospects to the majors now. The guy we talked to tonight... For the Orioles, Josh Soroka, really nice guy, had a lot. We talked a lot about the idea of rebuilding. And one thing I really kind of picked up from him is as successful as the Orioles were early on in the tenure of their guy, Dan Duquette and Buck Showalker, they did not do a great job of reloading the farm system through the years so that when the team fell apart, it really fell apart. And he was pointing out different players that were major parts of their contention teams or playoff teams that weren't even drafted by Dan Duquette, their general manager at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's not just reloading. It's also making sure it's the right talent, the talent that you know will make its way through the system. It's it's full sky evaluations using the foreign market. And Billy Epler's active in all that. Well, but the thing is, and the reason I'm even getting, I'm very getting enthusiastic about the trade uh, deadline is that we are, I think we're four and a half right now, potentially could be four because Oakland lost today out of the wild card race. And Billy Epler is not talking about getting, I will not, I will be very upset if we were to just go get a rental, uh, the, you know, the rest of the season rental who goes and leaves some, leaves after the end of the season. He's talking about acquiring some pitching, which we need to, desperately. I mean, we used seven pitchers yesterday. Um, I was talking to my coworker today, and he just again, he's a Dodger fan, so I guess he doesn't get to see it that often. And he was like, "Oh my, you know, you guys use so many pitchers." I go, "Yeah, you obviously don't watch games, but um, very often Angel games because that's how we roll." 
But um, <laughs> if if we're looking at getting acquiring uh, uh, some pitching help, even bullpen or starting pitching uh, that is contractually bound beyond this season, uh, and you know we give up a little something something for that. I, I, you know, I trust Billy's judgment on that one, and I, I'd be down for it because that would that way we're showing the fans that we know we're close to wild card, and that's what these guys are screaming about. They're saying we're not competitive, we're not competitive, we're not competitive. You know, you, why you know da da da. So, uh, I'm I'm down for a, a trade for some, uh, like I said, beyond this season help. And I have questions. I have serious questions. Before we answer those questions, though, we do have a couple of things we we want to. Get out to you. You guys know we're a new podcast. We just started, or almost three months old. We just started late in April 2019. We've grown very well. And a lot of it's just thanks thanks to you. You have been loyal listeners. We appreciate that. If you are just starting out, though, hey, do us a solid, please, and head on over to Apple Music and leave a review. Subscribe as well. We really appreciate a five-star review to help us move up the charts if you want us to earn that review, like you think, hey, you know, these guys are good, but they're not quite where I want them to be for me to go take the time to give a five-star review, do, hey, you know what? Email us. We love feedback. We love feedback. And I promise you, John will not hunt you down and commit a felony. I promise, okay? <laughs> Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com and give us that feedback. We do want to be among the best Angels podcasts out there. That's our goal. It's always our goal. Our goal is to be a great source of content for you, a great source of baseball conversation for you. And if we aren't doing that job, then we want to hear from you. We want to know because it's important to us. If you are, again, a new listener, though, and you are enjoying the show and you and you like to help spread the word, please text a fellow Angels fan and let them know about our podcast. We really appreciate that. Again, thank you to everybody who's been tuning in and subscribing. Uh, our listenership keeps, keeps going up. And uh, it's really thanks to you. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. So going back to that conversation and just kind of start filling in that circle, the reason why we even have the conversation is because the Angels are literally playing themselves into contention here. They are playing themselves into a possible playoff berth. And that, that leads a lot of us into starting to have to question our original thoughts. And what I mean by that is, If you go back to previous shows, I've been steadfast on this. The Angels need to stand fast. Do not, do not go by in this trade deadline. Sell if, even sell if you can. Okay. I, that is something that I, I said numerous times. I made a, I think I made a strong case for it. You can tell me if I'm, if I am fooling myself here, but I think I made a pretty strong case for it. And now here we are. The Angels entered tonight's game, which they now lead one nothing. Entering the bottom of the third, they entered with a record of three and forty nine. With their next seven games against two of the worst teams in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles and Detroit Tigers, they theoretically could be, if they're red hot, they could be close to sixty wins by the end of July, and that puts the Angels in this position where if you don't go out there and make some moves to try and go for it, then you're going to face heavy criticism from many fans. But if you trade away some of those key pieces that you're using to build up the organization, they're going to face heavy criticism from fans. And one way or the other, you are, you're potentially sacrificing your future. And that's kind of what the angels are playing themselves into. It's a lot easier if the Angels, and I'm not saying this as a curse, I'm just throwing this out there. It's a lot easier if the Angels just kind of mosey on through the next seven games and maybe even struggle a little bit because then you can justify selling. And now well, they're in a position where they're they're almost forced to buy. Yeah, and and, and I don't and I don't blame you know my whole take this is since we started this podcast is I had no expectations this season. I had no expectations. So yes, build for the future, build for the future, build for the future. But when you're looking and now, I mean, we could potentially be, okay, let's pretend I'm just, I'm not even saying it's going to happen. I'm pretend that we were to win tonight. We'd be five games over 500 and we'd be four games out of the wild card spot. Any fan worth this salt is going to say, okay, I mean, you can say we're rebuilding, but when you're that close to a wild card spot, this with this much time left in the season, I I don't know how you can justify not going for it. 
Um, you're right. It would have been a lot nicer had we had had we been Seattle, forty-two and sixty-three. Then then we well, wouldn't have these problems. But um, well, I, I quick- was even say I was saying just being right around five hundred by the end of the month. But you know, you're saying any fan worth the salt. Well, that's kind of a, a little bit of a, a jab at me, John, because for me, I probably am that fan who's going to make the argument here in a second. And it's not because I don't want to see this team go for it. I just have a longer view, John. Okay, view- any, ir- any irrational fan like me. I, I'm a fanboy, remember? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in I saw a poll. I forget what site it was. I saw a poll online earlier that made, that posed this question to Angels fans. And if I'm if memory searching right now, and I, I think it was well over 60% of fans wanted the Angels to buy. I voted, I, I voted in that. And I think I was among the 12%, tell me if I'm wrong, that wanted the Angels to stand pat. Stand pat. And I I not only voted in that, I commented on it, and I commented what I told you before the podcast. Uh, Or maybe I even said it during the podcast. It has to be beyond this year. I don't want a rental. I don't don't support a rental because we're not – we're not – we're not making a World Series run yet at this point. I don't see that. But anyways, go ahead. I apologize. But you see, follow my logic, folks. And listen, please don't don't send me hate mail on this, okay? I'm, this is just one baseball mind. I'm more than open to being wrong. I don't think I'm going to make an idiot's argument here, okay? I'm more than happy to have this kind of conversation with you either on the show or on social media, just hear me out. Here's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Looking at this roster right now, where much of the starting rotation is not what it was when it started the year. In other one, words, if one you pitcher, look, right? One pitcher. We have no. we have. Heaney. Well, no, no, because Heaney was injured when he started the year. Uh-huh. So looking at tonight's game, Jaime Berea started. Griffin Canning starts the second game. Three, I had it listed as Dylan Peters, but he was sent down, so I don't know. Game four of the series against against the Orioles, Felix Pena. Pena is pretty much the only constant throughout this entire year, and he, he consistently uses an opener. The Angels no longer have Matt Harvey. He didn't work out. Trevor Cahill did not work out. We lost Tyler. And that leaves some serious gaps in this rotation the rest of the year. This rotation right now, if we're honest, is a high minor league rotation. And what I mean by that is every almost every one of these guys, Jaime Berea, was in AAA a couple days ago and would be in AAA if not for all the injuries. Griffin Canning was in AAA this year. Dylan Peters has been in AA and AAA now. AAA, right? Yeah. Jose Suarez, another guy who will probably be up soon again. These are all all players who are in the minors this year, and they're all going through the Angel Star rotation now. So, in the end, with those kind of pitching woes, with issues in the bullpen because this bullpen's tired, and we all know it's tired. It's so tired that the Angels had to go out there and pay cash for a Twins reliever who had a ginormous ERA when they went and got. I think it was like above. I think it was above eight. It was just ridiculous who I mean the twins have their own pitching issues and yet the twins let this guy go Mejia and I hope it works out by the way so I'm sorry I'm taking a little bit of time to lay this case out I'm just I'm putting this all in front of you and saying this is why I believe the way I do and if you believe I'm wrong I understand make the case let's have that conversation we don't have enough good strong baseball conversation anymore so John what I'm saying is this when you have that kind of staff available to you is it really worth it long term for you to go out there and trade away young talent even to get a guy you will have control over for an extra year or so and the reason why i throw that part in is because if you're going to get a guy you have control over for an extra year or so the, the player you give up will also be a higher talent guy than if it was you getting a rental a half year rental you're not going to pay out the big buck it's like the same for cole if the angels trade cole he's he's going to be a free agent do you think that any team right now is going to pay the Angels high talent and minor league, you know, my high minor league talent right now? For you already Cole called me mid, 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 middle prospects. Middle level, what you're okay. Mm-hmm. Middle, middle level, level a person has mm-hmm. a chance. That's the case I'm making. So if 
if in the end that's what you're looking for, you're actually working against the long-term plan. Remember, the long view. The long view is that you want to be a contender every year long-term to where you are consistently refilling this farm system and building the talent up. If we go off and we trade all that talent away or even chunks of that talent away for a one-year run for a wild card where we probably won't get past the first game or the division series because our pitching just won't stand up, then you just basically threw away talent to be eliminated from the playoffs early. And you're uh, sacrific- still- and you're risking your future, John. As well, I, but I don't think, but that I don't think that that's what Epler would do. That's not that he's already he's the one who's saying that they would that they're looking for this. Epler's not going to mortgage our future. I mean, we may mortgage one or two. I mean, we how many pitchers did we draft? What we need is pitching, and he drafted a gang of pitchers in the last uh, and, a and gang of talented pitchers. Sure. And right, you know, like right now, I'm looking at that poll. It's Trent Rush's poll. Fifty nine percent want to buy. The state puts are twenty nine, and there's twelve that are saying sell. I have no idea what you're selling. Um, Cole, I, I'm not you for what? I mean, for prospects, I don't know what that means. Sell. I mean, uh, you just you just give them away. You trade them to somebody for I don't sell know. Sell me, me. You're trading for prospects. And, and yeah. So I, I just no. I mean, you're making now. See, we're I am making the fan. I'm. This is not a rational argument, but this is now with me. It is a rational argument because it's backed by Billy Epler. If Billy Epler pulls the pulls a, a, a trade, it does this does a trade. I know he's not mortgaging our future because he's talked too much about it. He said we're not. This is not. This is our plan. This is our plan. This is our plan. This is just a little deviation from this plan to get us at least. I mean, again, we used seven pitchers yesterday. But, John, you and I both sat in this podcast just weeks ago, and we put ourselves in this very same situation. And this is before we lost half our pitching staff. And we both said, stay put, don't buy. We both said that. And now, because there's a chance they could make the playoffs, you're... But, but- Two point one percent, according to according to uh, the odds that I read. Two point one percent. I mean, I think that's a little low. But no, but, but that's because we're four point five games out of the wild card. You're four point five we're, games we're that close. Sure, you're four point five games out of the wild card. But John, again, look at the August schedule. Look at what's ahead of them. And I'm not saying they can't do well. But the odds aren't good because of the pitching. And ask yourself, even if you go out there right now and you trade for one solid pitcher who you have control over for one year, I mean, sorry, an extra year, is that going to change the long-term viability of this roster as it's built right now for this season? If that pitcher performs well and then we re-sign him, sure. Well, he's only, well, I mean, I'm talking about this season right now. Will he make that big a dent in your season? How many starts will he make? It doesn't necessarily have to be a starter. It can be a reliever. Okay, but you need more starting help than relieving help right now. Well, the way the way up the way um, Osmus has been playing it, I think today we're today we're starters don't make it that long in this game. Berea hopefully will make five innings. Uh, I think that's the the hope and the prayer from what I heard. This, but. I just we need uh, I again I'm not looking for a, a, a short term one deal thing, but I think getting some quality pitching a quality pitcher on this staff for this year and and going into next year can only help and uh, but what can only, cost John. What's well, your cost? See, that's the thing. We're, we're arguing blind because I don't know who they're giving up. I don't know what that. Either you're going to give up some serious farm talent or. Well, that's really it, because there's nobody on the active roster right now that you're going to part with, except for Cole Calhoun. But you know, as I and I am, I'm getting a little, you know, a little anxious with this farm talent. You know, we got Griffin Canny. Griffin Canny's good, but he's not. You know, like I said, if if it wasn't for the situation, would he be on the start? Would he be one of our starters? Probably not. Um, you know, if we had more flexibility, if we had more solid pitching up here, we could send people, you know, like, well, Berea was up last year. He was, he shined at the end of last year. I had a lot of hopes for Berea. And, um, I mean, this, you know, these young pitchers coming out pitching four innings is, it starts to wear on you as a fan. 
Well, sure. Again, it's, I'm all emotional. I'm emo- this is emotional, but also between the emotion of I really would like to see some, you know, a quality start out of somebody on a regular basis, and uh, also the fact that we're close to the. I mean, we, yeah, if we win tonight, we're four out of the wild card. That's well, and it's it's possible. He does now lead two nothing after Cole Calhoun homer to deep right center. So that's tonight, his second RBI, right? His second, second RBI. RBI he doubled in Mike Trout in the first inning, and now he's got. You don't want to go. You don't want to go. He's don't proven want... his case. Proven his case. Go, Cole. <laughs> I, I'm just wrong. <laughs> again, things like that though make it harder, I think, for Billy Apple to pull the trigger. And you're mentioning, well, Billy Apple will never do this, and this is because he has his plan. Well, listen, people change when people will change their mind when pressured. People will deviate from plans with pressure, not because they're weak-minded, but because they also have to pay attention to the bottom line. They have to pay attention to your tickets. You have to pay attention to your well, your your revenue. And if your your fans are ticked off at you, you're gonna you're gonna take action. You need to pay attention to talking Halo's co-host John and his wife will be at tomorrow night's game. Well, outstanding. Is there a bobblehead up? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay. Listen, again, before I get the haters and, and the folks who are angry at me or think I'm just being ridiculous. Yeah, just direct, under DC Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> just understand. Just understand. I am a long. Go ahead. I get it. But just understand. Listen, I am a long-term thinker. I'm thinking long-term. I'm thinking, remember, I'm a soul science teacher. I I. I study economics. I study opportunity costs, and and what is the opportunity cost right now of making a move for a pitcher you have a year or so control over? What is it now? I just, I'll, I'll say this, John. Somebody made the argument in one of those threads for Taylor Ward, and he's a guy I could consider saying, "Okay, you know what? You can move him." I would consider that. Okay. Well, that's fine. Well, there we go. We have a trade piece. Well, and this I, say, about, I just go. This isn't Bill Stoneman. This isn't even Sosha. This is this is Billy Upler, the man we've defended uh, since this podcast started, and has a proven track record, a proven history of building farm systems. I don't think he's going to uh, make an emotional decision. Well, but, yeah, but you know what? He hasn't really been in this position yet. This same position. This is kind of a rare thing where a team like the Angels is where they're at, where the pitching staff's been decimated and they have an August schedule that's the way it is. You know, he, he was with the Yankees and the Yankees built while still fielding a somewhat competitive, well, a fairly competitive team. That's his experience. But the reason why I say Taylor Ward is because he's productive, he's got power, he hits for a solid average. But right now, if you look at the Angels roster, Unless you could find a way to get Justin Upton to a, you know out of there in his big salary, there's really no place for for him long term with Joe Adele coming up. So with Taylor, so, no, so him I mean Taylor Ward. It's Cal, now because I always looked at it as Calhoun was the odd man out once we get Odell up. Well, now you're saying everybody wants Upton up. That sounds like what the fans on the on the on the sites. Want. Well, there they are no, there are plenty gone. of fans who want Upton gone because. He's so streaky and inconsistent for the pay. What I'm saying is, let's just say you you want up and gone. His page, his his contract is huge. It's not he's not going anywhere. And with Cole, you can't forget. Yeah, he's productive. He's also 31 years old, and he doesn't hit for average. Two thirty-seven. So huh. Two thirty-seven. Last time I checked, he's had a couple yeah. hits, so it might have got I mean, up tonight. I mean, he's been playing well of late, sure. But I'm just talking the overall numbers. I'm being logical here. Uh, again, I'm thinking opportunity costs, and he. I don't think he'll, I think Joe Adele is probably open the year next year in the outfield. And if well, he's I, not, then I have some questions. Okay, then I, who do we clear out? There you go. That's why it's perfect to trade. We can't get rid of Upton. But who, that's the, the way, case I'm making, you know, John. Again, the irrational stuff here. But I remember when. We picked him up in the midseason, and he, he finished after the trade deadline. He finished very strong for us his first season, and I was stunned and excited. 
I think along with all other Angel fans that he re-signed with us. Now, maybe he's, you know, he's not the person he was, but if you're saying you want Joe Odell in the outfield, who do we, who do we, who do we, who's, who's the odd man out? Well, Cole is, and Taylor Ward probably is. Remember, Colt, remember Cole is going to be a free agent, and Taylor Ward is one of the guys coming up, he's productive, and he makes a pretty solid trade piece. In that case, you could make a good argument to me to go trade Taylor, if you can, for a mid-level starter with some control. You can make that case. And, and don't forget, Taylor also will be 26 here in a couple months. So he's not the youngest prospect out there either. And just do it back to Upton again and to, to the fans who are always critical of Artie. And, you know, I mean, they, they paid big money to Upton. I mean, and, and because of his past performance, gold gloves, uh, silver slugger, I was at the game where they handed him a silver slugger from the previous season uh, when he was an angel. Um, I mean, the guy, the guy was a, a certified all-star. And, you know, and now he's just kind of, you know, his defense has always been suspect. Um, but, you know, I go again, this is one of those angels that we, we spend a lot of money on and fans applaud. And then now everybody's, you know, circling the wagons because we owe him so much money and he's under contract. I'm not sure about that. I'm just talking about dollars and cents. And what's crazy about all this, though, is no matter how good this team is or isn't, they are a ton of fun to watch. Last night's game, it was a, it was a blast watching them play the Astros. a blast. I mean, they, they, these guys are entertained to watch. They play with the game. They play a game with passion. They go out there and they leave it on the field. They are sentimental. They are friendly. You know, you never look at Mike Trout, the leader there. He is always interacting with fans. They are a fun team to watch. And even if they struggle down the stretch with this pitching staff as as decimated as it is, they are deserving of attention here because they do play the game right. They play it with passion. And if they can keep that over the course of the next couple of years, they will be successful. This will be a playoff team, and they'll be a playoff team sooner than we expect. Again, they are fun to watch. And teams that are fun to watch will usually succeed long-term because they enjoy the game. This is the argument I, I made at the begin at the beginning of our podcast, and then when I was you know because people are saying I'm not going to why am I going to support this team da 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 yeah they're they're you know again uh, Trent Rush talking about you get to see history every night and this is a fun team you know I supported the Clippers when they were Lob City Lob City was a blast to be at the game it was so fun did we have a chance to win a, a you know an NBA championship no we didn't but it was fun and, and that's the you know it's sports entertainment we're supposed to be in Entertained. But they were um, still uh, successful, John. They weren't out there losing 60 games a season. They were still putting winning seasons together. You're, still you're were referring to the Clippers, right? Yeah. They were still... Of course. They, they weren't dominant. There were better teams out there, but they were fun, and they won games. They were... Con- they they and the Angels gave are winning some games. problems. And the Angels are winning games. Yes. So it's okay. the same point. Yeah. But what I'm saying here is it's 162 games. They're heading into their gauntlet very soon, the, the toughest stretch, I think, of any team in baseball to end the year. And they have so many gaps on that staff, it's going to be extremely difficult to carry that kind of momentum all the way through for a playoff berth. So why would we risk the plan to go out there and go by? If you're going to make a deal that works long-term for your franchise, and that's why I mentioned the possible of Taylor Ward for a controllable starting pitcher, mid, you know, mid-round, middling pitcher. Then I can get on board with that because it goes long term for the benefit of the franchise. If you go outside that and you start going hard after you know these big names to try and go for a big pennant run, this this roster just has too many gaps, especially on that staff. And it's not to me worth it to risk the long-term success of the franchise. They're fun to watch. Go, go buy tickets. Go catch a game. Get them wherever you can, because that's going to help your team be able to afford to sign the right free agents later on and to operate in a way that's competitive with the other great major league teams. Support them because they just deserve the support. They are an extremely fun team to watch. You you pay to be entertained, right, John? You're paying to be entertained. You're getting your money's worth. So, yes, they're fun. 
they're worth it. Go get a seat. But don't sacrifice your future for, to me, 2.1% odds. Well, you know, I I, I can already hear people uh, ripping me, making comments about me when I say this. But I'll just defer to Billy Epler. If he feels that we can do it with and he's not I don't believe he'll jeopardize the farm system. That's all he's talked about since he's taken over. So rebuilding the farm system. So if he finds a good deal out there, um, I'm all for it. If he doesn't pull the trigger, like I said, it is a 2.1 percent odd. So I won't be heartbroken. But at this point. If we were to win tonight's game, sorry, I turned my head to watch the game. Uh, if we were to win tonight's game, uh, you know, it's it's. And then with, I know we have a tough schedule, but I'm living for today. So I mean, the next the next uh, couple series are going to be good for us. So, uh, uh, you know, like I said, I'll defer either way, either way. You know me, I'm all about. I'll be at tomorrow's night's game. Yeah. Let and me, uh, yeah, having yeah. having a great time. Yeah, let me be clear. I'm not cheering for this team to lose. I want them to, to obviously, I want them to be successful. I'm just trying to be as objective as possible and thinking long term. I am not in any way saying, "Hey, go lose," so you don't have to make that decision. They're just in an unenviable position right now in terms of decision making because when you when they had a plan a couple of months ago, you didn't really think they were going to have to worry about altering that plan, and now they're in that position to do it. Yeah, but there's, but one of the reasons that they're in this position is because they have been successful, they've been fun, they've made plays, and they put themselves in this position. And this and this goes back to the Brad Austin discussion that we've been kind of tinkering with, and that's the fact that I believe he's done a good job, and we'll, that that'll be a conversation for another day, maybe this weekend, but let's leave it at that. I agree. All right, so. It is time for us to go. We, we This has been a heck of a baseball. I think it's probably one of our best baseball conversations we've had, John. So if you like that, if you like more of it, tune in. But in the meantime, before we go, I sat down with Josh Soroka from from Section 336, a Baltimore Orioles podcast, to get the lowdown on the Angels-Orioles series this weekend. Here you go. Check it out. Josh Soroka. All right, folks, I am here with Section 336's Josh Soroka. He covers the Baltimore Orioles daily, daily, which right now is a tough task. Every morning, his podcast there gives you a look at the Baltimore Orioles. And, uh, well, I hate to do this, man. I hate that, but we might as well just knock the elephant out of the room. Besides the whole how are you doing thing, how are you surviving this season? Uh, you know, We've had – it's funny. I can say we've had worse in Orioles history because we had this 14-year period that we call the dark ages or the dark period where the Orioles were trying to win every season by signing some old washed-up free agent and never really going anywhere. So we went 14 years of losing baseball. But uh, it's tough because a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon during those Dan Duquette, Buck Showalter years where we started winning baseball games and doing really well and – now we we have we have hit rock bottom. The only thing that you know what's getting us through is Mike Elias, Sigmidel, and knowing that there's a plan. A lot of Astro Ball reading and guys just hoping that we can do the plan. They can do it again. All right. So you mentioned a plan. That's something we actually talk about a lot in our show because there's a split in the Angels fan base. The one side of the Angels fan base wants to just unload everybody and do the Astros rebuild. Other folks say, "Hey, we're competing." We're staying active. Let's go with the actual current plan. The current plan we have with Billy Epler is we are trying to compete as we go. We're reloading the farm system and building from the ground up and, and pushing young guys through through basically sheer will. And it's starting to work, by the way. We're starting to see young guys get their way into the roster, Griffin Canning and so on and so forth. What made Orioles management decide, hey, let's go ahead and do the teardown and reload, like you said, the Astros way? Uh, yeah, so that it's multifold. It's one of having a farm system that for years has been ranked as one of the worst farm systems in baseball. It's not talking about the ground like and where, where we had some prospects that came up like Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope and they hit at the same time. And then I think uh, rock bottom came last year, not this year, because this year is the start of something. Last year would be rock bottom because we had 
Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, Adam Jones, Kevin Gaussman, uh, Dylan Bundy. We had all these guys on the team, and we put in the worst record in baseball and a, the worst record the Orioles have ever put on the field. And we had all these superstars or guys. Uh, so it's, it's things like the fact that Chris Davis died. And the guy who bats now is Chris Davis is not the crush that we grew in love with. It's stuff that pitching, the Orioles have a horrible time developing pitching. And we had these guys, Kevin Gaussman and Dylan Bundy, and neither of them stepped up to be the ace. And they were supposed to be our number one and number two. And they never really did it. We made trades for Alex Cobb. And that's been a nightmare since, or I guess we signed him, which was supposed to be, I'm telling you, last year, we were supposed to win baseball games. Last year, we were supposed to be fighting for that AL East because we had a a start opening day. We had a rotation of Kevin Galsman, Dylan Bundy, Alex Cobb, Andrew Kashner. That's a, that's supposed to be on paper a competitive rotation. We had a lineup of Chris Davis, Jonathan Scope, Manny Machado, Adam Jones. That's supposed to be a competitive lineup, and it was the worst team ever. So I think the fact that that happened at the same time that Buck Showalter's contract came to an end, at the same time that Dan Duquette's contract came to an end, that there was no reserves left in the farm system because we used them all. Oh, like That's how we got a couple winning seasons is using every ounce of the farm system, which wasn't much to begin with. So it got to the point of you got to do this right. You got to do it from the farm system. The Orioles for years have refused to do international sign-ins. That hurts you. Look at baseball today. There's international guys, superstars in every team, except not the Baltimore Orioles. So I think that's where it, it took a complete scrap this, rebuild, and that's where we're at. Help me understand this a little bit, though. You're talking about Dan Duquette and and Buck Showalter. You're, you're just talking about the good scenes you had with them. I'm guessing it sounds to me like they also hold some responsibility for the club falling apart as quickly as it did. Can you reflect uh, yeah. a little deeper? No, I totally understand that. Um, it's weird. I think it has more to do. They were only here six years. And I think those six years, the way you draft, there's been a problem with the ownership in not going after international money, the ownership trying to still act as a large market team when really we went from mid to large market team to a small market team when the Nationals came 10 years ago. So I think it was a long standing of, of struggling with that as far as the, trying to spend a bunch of money and not it not working. I think it's a it's a long it's a long Orioles franchise problem that Dan Duquette. And when you think about it, Dan Duquette drafted guys six years ago, we he, we had, the Dan Duquette Buck Showalter errors had stars of Matt Weeders, uh, Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, Galsman, Bundy. I don't think Dan Duquette drafted any of those guys. Maybe Galsman and Bundy, he might have had his hand in. But most of those guys came from Andy McPhail, who drafted them before Dan Duquette. So some guys that we're seeing now, like, like John Means, stuff like that is reflection on Dan Duquette. Santander is uh, playing really good in center field for the Orioles right now. That's a Dan Duquette Rule 5 pick. So it's hard to judge and blame them on that farm was it was horrible when it was bad before they started. Gotcha. So looking at now, well, let me back. I, I don't want to go quite there yet. Just to kind of finish up the, turn, the the talk about the actual rebuild. Looking where they are, and by the way, we're familiar because when Billy Apple took over our team, they were we, we had the worst farm system in baseball. And it's taken him a couple years to make the Angels' farm system respectable again. It's, we're, we're middling right now. Much better than we were, but we're middling. So... Keeping all that in mind, it's taking us some time with a kind of sort of rebuild. You're doing this from the bottom up. How long do you believe this rebuild will take? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question that everyone with season tickets wishes they knew. Um, we're all giving it some time. I think the more we talk, we're looking at 2021 to be competitive, to have a winning record, get above 500 2021. I think 2022, 2023 – is when you can really see fighting for that AL East and getting into the playoffs. So that's not, as a baseball fan, five years is not that long. And that's, and we're really setting our goals of five years for a World, World Series because it's been too long. And, and I get it that, like, I just said, well, what did you expect Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter to do in five years? 
But in five years, they did get us a few playoff appearances after 14 years of losing season. So I think we're giving him about five years as a fan base, understanding that this year is an embarrassment and that we can only go up from this year. And I would probably think, considering it's going to take a little bit of time, probably next year as well, I would guess yeah. it will be much prettier. No, next year is not going to be a whole lot prettier. I'm hoping it doesn't be embarrassing next year. Like, gotcha. Maybe maybe we only get the, the third overall pick instead of the first overall. We don't need that three years in a row. I'd rather next year see some of these young guys that are being held back in the minors come up and get some big league experience next year. It's interesting here you put that blueprint out because when we talked to the Astros guy uh, right before the All-Star break when we had the series out there in, in Texas, and I asked him about his rebuild, and he just said it was five years of horrible baseball. And those five years of horrible baseball were worth it in the end. They got the World Series title. They've built a complete and whole top-to-bottom strong farm system that is still following talent to the major leagues now. And they expect to compete for a long time to come because of it. So I'm actually a big believer in the Astros system if you are doing if you are doing a great job getting out there and drafting the right players and evaluating and scouting. And, and of course, you mentioned it, I think – you have to get involved in the international market. You have to. You you have to take advantage of the money you're you're allocated, and you got to go out there and spend it. You know, yeah, you know what hurt the as I think you know what hurt the Dan Duquette, Buck Showalter Orioles, and being able to rebuild the farm system. What really hurt them is they came on board in 2011, and in 2012 was a magical season. In 2012, the Orioles weren't supposed to win anything, and they won the AL East. Or uh, or twenty no twenty twelve they got the wild card and then they won the game the first wild card game and suddenly it was like oh well these guys are good let's trade our farm system to bring in people that can help now so we traded Eduardo Rodriguez to bring in Andrew Miller which I love that move I mean he got us in the playoffs we, he w- did well in the playoffs it's just moves like that where you get rid of your farm system in order to win now. We decided, oh, we've got Manny, we've got Scope, we got Jones, we got Davis. Let's win now. And just luck didn't work out. Yeah, having actually same time frame, Angels went out there and got, they went and got Josh Hamilton, they went and got C.J. Wilson, they got Albert, Albert Pujols, who was starting to slow down. We right. didn't we didn't know how much he slowed down, how quickly he slowed down. And then the one at one time, the number two, number one farm system in the league, Going for that World Series 2012, 2013, 2014, went for it. That whole farm system got blown up. Do I mean, that's, that's part of why you build a good farm system is so you have those uh, trade mm-hmm. chips. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work and if you, over, if you overextend it, then you are basically sending your franchise back sometimes up to 10 years. Right, right. Because nobody cares. You can set your farm system back five, six years if you win the World Series. But if that doesn't work, you're screwed. And here's so here we are. All right, so getting the actual series now, I don't have all the pitching matchups. Um, so tomorrow night's game, I still I have not seen the full matchup yet for game two. You can help me say this man's name, Asher Wojciechowski. Watch it. All right, so Friday night uh, or no Thursday night is Tom Eshelman for the Orioles. I will say our entire rotation outside of Bundy, none of these guys were in the rotation on opening day. That's, that's how the Orioles season's going this year. And on Friday night, we've got Asher Wojciechowski, who's I was, got I wasn't a... too far off. No, you were pretty close. And I might be saying it wrong, too. We're all <laughs> in here. It's got a million letters in it. It's, it's one of those jerseys you love to watch on TV because the letters are curved down the shoulders. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, and, and you know those letters are squeezed a little tighter than on uh, everyone else's jerseys. Like, they really just... took effort to get it in. Yeah, and I was just thinking of the movie Monsters, Inc. when I saw that last name. Right, to right. To be honest. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so Asher, that's right now he's the guy we're excited for in Baltimore. We're excited for John Means, who you guys won't see because he pitched today in Arizona. And we're excited for him because he was an all-star for the Orioles this year and been pitching really well. But Asher Wojciechowski, on his last outing, almost got a no-hitter. Went like seven innings, no-hit, which is weird because it happened like the day after the day we were playing the Red Sox. And even before that, I think he played the Blue Jays and pitched really good. And with the Red Sox, we got destroyed and gave up like 15 runs. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, Wojciechowski pitched and held them to a scoreless game with a seven uh, inning no hit. So we're excited for that guy. If you look on uh, 
pitching list or any of these like Twitter handles that show like pitchers and how the pitches move, just look up one of Asher's curveballs or slider, whatever the thing is, and it just drops. It's awesome to watch. Your face now, Griffin came that night. That he's our he's our young guy. Came up this year. He's had some struggles. His fastball has a real neat rise to it, and uh, couples that with a solid slider has a little bit of a has has had some control problems of late. If he gets together though, he's he's pretty steady. He's probably our best pitcher, even with all those problems. Now that we've lost Tyler right. Skaggs. Game three here, Aaron Brooks. I just thought of the old Saints quarterback there, man. I, I have never, yeah, the old Saints. You, you can walk down the city of Baltimore, go to anyone wearing an Oriole jersey, and say, "How about Aaron? Who's Aaron Brooks?" And they will not tell you. They will not know. Very few people <laughs> know who Aaron Brooks is, and that's the state of the Orioles rotation. I think he's had two two starts for us so far, and I don't. He's not that good. He's he's okay, but he's he's not that good. So. I don't have anything great to say about him. Five one six ERA going up. Well, he'll yeah. face Dylan oh, he's, Peters. We think it'll be Dylan Peters. Yeah, um, right. Dylan so Peters. He's four, but yeah. Hey, you guys have a nine oh seven game on Saturday. That's fun. So what's that? Yeah. Six six oh seven. Well, you, I like that. Yeah, you'll, you'll be I in like bed that. at a decent time. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dylan yeah, Peters. I, I like that. Um, the story with him as well. Uh, again, with losing Tyler and now Matt Harvey didn't work out. Trevor Cahill didn't work out. Andrew Heaney's out. We are pulling dudes <laughs> from double and triple right. A <laughs> and hoping we get something. So right now I, I haven't seen – he was optioned down the other day. But they have to keep moving players. He'll probably be back up for this game. That's uh, game three and game four. Dylan Bundy, you've, you've talked about him. You're not real high on him right now. What's been the problem with him? Bundy is inconsistent. And uh, he pitched really – he had a really ugly out in – about 10 days ago. Then he went on IL for seven, eight days. Then he came back, and he pitched pretty good yesterday. He had a good outing with, against the Diamondbacks. So I'm hopeful that he can put it together, but he's just been up and down his entire career. Uh, the Orioles are doing this. Like I said, Bundy is the only man in our rotation that was in the rotation on opening day because the Orioles are doing the same thing with bringing guys up from double and triple A. The difference is they don't want to bring up the guys that have promise. So they're bringing up guys who have no promise. So, so it's been ugly. I mean, it's ugly, but I guess it makes sense. You want to keep the guys a promise down there, keep working the one-on-one, avoid yeah. the pressures of and, major league life. Yeah, I get it. Right. You, you don't want them to come up and lose. You want them to come up and have success. You don't want them to feel like, oh, I can't do this. So they're holding them back. Yeah, and it's, an, it's amazing talking farm systems as much as we are and comparing them a little bit because we honestly don't have that. Our guys, like I would love for Griffin Cannon to go back down. He I, he could really use some more one-on-one time. He can do fine. I like to go see him go back down. They can't. They've got Who, nobody else. Where is this? Is an interesting thing about the Orioles and their farm system. Where is your Triple A team? Salt Lake. All right, and where is your Double A team? Mobile. All right. Nowhere near LA. This is what's special about the Orioles and their farm system. It's everyone's close by. Triple A is in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. That's the furthest. That's about a four-hour drive. Bowie's Dewey, 20 minutes away, right? Is, is 20 minutes away. Uh, single A is about 30 minutes to one. Low single A is about 20 minutes to there. And if you really want to go down to the other single A thing, that's probably an hour and a half. They're all close enough by that you can pull a guy from Bowie for the evening in case you need him and then send him right back. And that's, that is something special the Orioles have going on. Fun fact, 15 years ago, I was the Bowie Bay Sox mascot, Louie. Fifteen years ago, that's a long. Were they even in Bowie at the time, or was that when they yeah, played yeah. at Memorial Stadium? Uh, you know, uh, they, they played out there in, um, what's that stadium right off of? Prince George's County Stadium? In- I think. It is, I don't remember the name, it was right across from a shopping center, right across from... Yeah. It's, the, it's right next to a, a Home Depot and... Yeah, there was and, an apartment uh, building complex right there. I used to live in that complex. I was in the military at the time, and I was stationed, um, I was working in the Pentagon, but on my off time, I basically wanted free baseball, so I went and applied to be the mascot. Yeah, the big and, ugly green guy. The big ugly green guy. Fun fact. Going back to the series, though, and 
Look at the Angels. They have plenty of weaknesses. They can be beaten. They, they could easily go out there and lose three or four of the Orioles. And that sounds a little weird to you given where the Orioles are right now. But the Angels can be beaten. That's because their pitching is just struggling so much right now. What are the Orioles' strengths and weaknesses overall? And I mean, <laughs> it's hard to say their All strengths. Right. I get it. You're chuckling. All right. It's the hard strength? to say their strengths. But hey, th- every team has something. Oh, it's... You sure? You sure every team's got something? I'll tell you. Here's here's some stuff the Orioles have. The Orioles have a. Um, they've got John Means pitching really well this season. They've got guys who are using the best of their opportunities. Guys like Santander, who's really hot right now. Guys like New Newernez, who plays like third base, DH, shortstop. They got these guys who would not have an opportunity on another team, and they're making the best of it. They got this guy Richie Martin five guy should not be in the major leagues he is playing outstanding defensively he sucks at the plate he, he's really bad at the plate he's batting 180 which is just slightly below chris davis who's batting 187 so uh they've got these young guys that are a little bit fun to watch and they've got neat things like asher wajikowski that again these guys would not get opportunities on other teams and they're using the best that they've got how can they beat the Angels? What are the keys for them to being successful? <laughs> They're, the key would be uh, home runs by Mancini. We haven't even talked about Trey Mancini, who's really the best player on the team. But Mancini's in this weird position where he's kind of an outfielder, but he doesn't play good outfield defense. He should be a first baseman, but he's stuck with behind Chris Davis at first base. So he doesn't really have a position, but he's their, their best bat. So the Orioles will win if pitching – can, can stay in there and go six innings if Mancini and uh, company can hit home runs they can win games if they if the pitching can hold the Angels down to three four five runs the Orioles always have a shot gotcha alright so make the call four games set how many got the Orioles taken I got them one I got Asher winning on Friday night, and I I think um, that's it. It's tough for me to give uh, anything more to that on on this team, especially on the road, especially when we always play horrible out west. But I like this kid Asher a lot, so I'm going to give him a win. Okay, I have it as one as well. Well, hey, best wishes to you on the rebuild. I know it's hard to watch a team struggle. Where can people find you, your work, your podcast, all that stuff? It's it's real easy. Section 336, we're named after the – if you ever visit Camden Yards, go sit in Section 336. It's the upper deck directly behind home plate. And it's not one of these nosebleed like the Nationals or uh, where you're all the way up in the in the sky. It's, it's a nice upper deck, and it's the best view. So we're named after that. So all you got to do is in iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, type in Section 336, type in the numbers 336, and you'll get our show and another stream – Daily, which is little 10-minute daily shows, where the Section 336 is an hour or so show every Monday night we put out. All right. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next season. Sounds good. All right. So he he says Angels take three out of four. I say three out of four. What are you saying for the series? I'll go sweep. They're going sweep. <laughs> Fanboy. <laughs> Fanboy. Hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna if we trade, we need to we need to make the playoffs. <laughs> All right, folks. All that said, he says sweep. It is really time for us to hit the road. So before we go though, please do us a solid. If you are interested in sponsoring us, reach out to us at talkinghales at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, want to help us keep the lights on. I mean, I don't know if you saw it your day. You didn't see it, but you hear me talk about it. John looked like he was living in the back cave. Let's get him out of the back cave. Also, if you're in, lights if are you on want, tonight, lights are on. <laughs> if you do uh, wish to, to leave a voicemail instead, you can do that at six five seven six 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 five four five three. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find John at Jake's Crane. John, the Talking Halos uh, Twitter pages at Talking Halos, and of course, we also have a page on Facebook. So just search, yeah, Talking Halos. You can sense the theme there. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Music. We're on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, pretty much all those places. It's 
really important to us that you subscribe to whatever podcast outlet you do subscribe to. Subscribe to us there. It makes a difference in our charts. And again, I mentioned earlier, but I'll mention it one more time. We'd really appreciate a review as well. So, all that said, enjoy the game. Last I checked, the Angels were up 2-1 to one in two the bottom one. of the fourth. It is 2-1 to one bottom of the fourth. And hopefully, you know, we're talking about another Angels victory over the Dodgers in this week next time we meet. In the meantime, for John Crane, this is Derek C. Paul saying have a great night, and we'll talk to you this weekend. We're out of here. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.